0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: Depending upon the day, we feel differently. Depending upon what's happening in our life, we will come before God with an entirely different set of emotions. And that's true for every human being. And that is why when we look at the book of Psalms, we see a wide variety of Psalms for different events, different feelings, in order that we might learn how to worship God and to pray effectively to Him. Take out your Bible and look with me to Psalm 102, the book of Psalms and Psalm 102, Now, we don't know who the author is, but it's clear from the beginning of this psalm. He is discouraged. He feels desperate. He is full of despair. And there's a degree of hopelessness from all things that he can see and feel and touch and experience. And that's why he is turning to God as his only source of deliverance. And we're going to see that foundationally in this psalm is this one's faith in God's promise of a kingdom. And it's that kingdom promise that gives us hope, a hope, that causes us to endure and persevere and not be overwhelmed with discouragement. No matter how bad this world may be for you and me, Realize if you are a believer in a covenantal relationship with God, specifically that new covenant that was ratified by the blood of Yeshua, we have a wonderful future. And our future is not only wonderful, but when we move into that time of blessing, when we experience the faithfulness of God and his promises in his kingdom, that condition will be forever and that is certainly good news so look with me as i said to the book of psalms and psalm 102 notice how it begins verse 1 a prayer of the afflicted and this is how the author of this psalm psalm 102 feels he is afflicted in this world and he goes on to say That, and this word is to be wrapped up. But in this context, most of the translator, and I agree with them, most of the translators render it to be overwhelmed. So he's afflicted and he's overwhelmed by his various afflictions. And what does he do? Keep reading. But before the Lord, there's what's important. Yes, when he looks at this world and everything that is experiencing by him, he feels despair. He's overwhelmed. He's discouraged. He's afflicted by people in this world and the circumstances. But what does he do? He goes before the Lord and it says, he pours out. And the next word is the Hebrew word, secha. It's in the third person possessive which means his and this word sika means conversation. Now I don't know why that so many bibles will translate this his complaint. It is not the word for complaint. This is a wrong wrong rendering of this word it simply means he's pouring out a discourse he is speaking to god based upon how he feels but nowhere in this word this word zicha should we come away with the the connotation of complaining move on he says <clears throat> lord hear my prayer and this word for here means not only to to know it but to respond. He's asking God to hear and respond to his petition, this prayer that he's making. He says, and my cry unto you, that it shall come. So he wants God to hear and respond to that prayer that he's making, this cry of his innermost being that comes before God. He wants God to receive it and act upon it he says in the next verse do not hide your face from before me in the day that trouble is to me we simply see that this man is going through and this word sar in this context means tribulation He's not just going through a bad day or a bad time. He is in the midst of intense tribulation. And again, as I said earlier, what is he doing? He sees no other solution. There is no other place that he can turn to. He is turning to God, and he's going to be looking to God, as we'll see, for his kingdom promises. He says, in the day that trouble is to me. And then he says, same verse. Put forth unto me your ear. In the day that I will call, quickly answer me. And this is the basis for my my statement that he is in a a state of desperation. It's not enough that God hears... But God needs to respond quickly, that the answer must be an answer that comes with haste because of the the seriousness of this one's affliction. Now, he's in a difficult time, and we're going to learn the proper way to respond to God in the midst of that. First and foremost, bring your requests, your petitions before him have an expectation that god is going to hear and he will respond he goes on look at the next verse for finish as smoke are my days now smoke is a type of vapor smoke goes up and is no more it dissipates very quickly And what he is saying here is that my life is coming to its end and it's coming there quickly. Another uh, term of desperation that indeed he needs God to move and to move quickly in his circumstances. And therefore, what does he do? He shares this with God. But again, it is not a complaining I see nothing in the text that would lead me to conclude that this one is complaining. He's simply bringing his requests. He's outlining his conditions, what he's feeling before God, not in a means of complaining, but simply sharing how he feels. So he says, for my days are completed like smoke. And my bones as, and he uses a term, which speaks to a place where there is fire. And that is consumed. So over and over he feels that he's coming to an end, that his life is being consumed. And he is desperate. But his desperation does not cause him to take matters into his own hands. And this is a huge point. It is rooted in great wisdom. Yes, he's feeling desperate, but his desperation does not cause him to act in and of himself, but his desperation turns him to pray to God with expectations. And again, he is going to have a kingdom faith, and that kingdom faith will cause us to endure and persevere until a change comes. Look at the next verse. He says, Being struck like grass, my heart withers. And this is an expression, it's an idiom. When we deal with heart, we're talking about the thought process. And what he's saying is that he has been struck by the enemy, by circumstances, by life in general. And therefore, his heart has withered up. And what does that mean? In and of himself, he is out of of options. He no longer knows what to do. There's no one that he can turn to. He has exhausted everything, or he's wise enough to know that first and foremost, turn to God. But he says, "My heart is withered up. I have no longer any thoughts in and of myself on what." I should do for he says so consumed is he notice the next part of the verse for I have forgotten uh, food to eat he says bread and the food here that he's speaking about is bread my bread for food I've forgotten meaning he is so distraught so overwhelmed so bothered by what's going on in his life that he doesn't even remember to eat. Now, this can also be another clue to help us understand a important truth, and that is this: we eat for for sustenance, in order that we might continue. And what he is saying is this: I'm not uh, concerned. I'm not thinking about my physical well-being. I'm not even eating right now. I forget that. Why? Because he's consumed with turning to God. And what is this? He said before, this is a prayer. So more important than eating his daily bread, he is praying continuously to God. That's the message here of a wise one. He understands how desperate he is for God, and he demonstrates that in his life look at the next verse from the sound of my sighing and this word for sighing is also it's frequently translated to groan and it's an expression of something that is so uh, uh emotional so overwhelming that there's no words in order to to find to use in order to convey that innermost feeling that someone is going through so it's his signs his groanings and he says from the sound of my groanings my bone clings to my flesh so he says here that that he and notice what he mentions earlier not eating he is physically wasting away why he is not seeking a physical solution He is seeking a spiritual solution. What does that mean? He is totally invested in God delivering him. God moving. Now, one of the reasons for this, he may not see any physical solution. He may not uh, uh, think that there's anything of this world that can change his, his current situation. So with everything that he is, He's turning to God. Yes, he's desperate. Yes, he's overwhelmed. Yes, he's in the midst of affliction and tribulation, but he has not given up. He's given up on the world for its solution. He's turning God for a kingdom, a heavenly solution. And then he goes on and says, I am like, and in this verse, there are two words. Now, the the commentators say that these two words are related to birds, or we might say fowls, but we know little about them. I know that many Bibles will translate it a a a pelican or an owl. This is at best a guess. We do not know. Simply two birds that that tend. To live in the desert, in the arid places. That much we do know from the context. So he says, I am likened to a fowl in the wilderness, the desert. I become as, and he uses another word for a bird or a fowl. And the next word is the word for arid places. That which is is utterly and totally dry. It's in the plural so we can say arid places or that plural might be speaking to something that shows abundant uh, uh, aridness, meaning an absolute lack of water. And think of this. And this is what's being described. A a living bird in the midst of a desert where there's no water, he has not much to, to hope for. Meaning, in a very short period of time, he's going to come to his end. He, he's not able to simply change his environment, his habitation. This is where he's put, and there's nothing for him, no provision. And this is what the author is saying there's nothing for me in this world. And therefore, God, I am turning to you in hope, in expectation i am bearing my soul before you i have put everything in you as my deliverer this is what this one is saying look at the next verse where he says shakadati now this is a word and i realize that bibles translated differently but but this is a word to be to be diligent someone to be alert Someone who we might say and use the expression, all in. He is totally committed (coughs) to his situation. In other words, he's doing everything physically possible that one can do in order to overcome. And he's paying attention to what God may do. And he says, I was diligent and I was like a bird that's alone upon upon the rooftop. Now a bird that's alone this is the the image. many birds you'll see this they'll fly away but why do they fly away? because other birds that are by them fly away. So this bird's by himself. There's no other one that he can turn to for information. There's no other birds that fly away and that he can follow, that he knows that there's danger. So he's very alert. He's paying attention for for the, the desperate situation that he's in. He's awake. Furthermore, he says, all day long, he is, and this next word means to be, uh, derailed someone who is put down someone who is mocked someone who is loathed by, by others and this is what he says all day long my enemies they they put me down they deride me and not only that they mock me and what do they do they swear meaning this they take an oath of what they're saying is true now, I would suggest to you the context would make us to believe that it's a false oath, meaning they, they take an oath and they're lying. What they're saying is not true, but an oath in those days carried a lot of weight. And what he's saying is this, from every source, those who are even of a religious nature, they, they take an oath, meaning an oath before God. And they are speaking against him, deriding him, and also mocking him. And there's no one that speaks for him. Furthermore, he says, for like ashes, I eat bread. So he is, and this is an expression meaning to eat ashes, meaning that, that he is being shamed. He is is taking this, he's enduring this this shame, this this putting down, this this hardship that he's going through, he's enduring it. And furthermore, he says, "My, my drink, what he's drinking is mixed with my tears. So here it shows that he's hurting, he's weeping over his condition, and again, there's no physical hope. He sees nothing that is going to bring about a change in his life other than God. And that's why he's praying. Because his only hope, and he has faith in a God who will deliver. But it's going to get interesting what he's going to talk about in a moment. Verse verse 11 in Hebrew, where it says, Because of your wrath and your Some Bibles will say anger. It shows a very intense anger or another word, a synonym for wrath. He says, I am lifted up and I'm cast away. Now, this is a statement. Most scholars believe that he's saying, God, you must be angry with me. I must be a a recipient of your wrath because of my current plight. If, if this isn't the case, why aren't you responding? Why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you working against those who are, are mocking me, loathing me, deriding me, uh, putting me down? So he says, in this case, because of your wrath and your hot anger or your, your, your intense anger, I have been lifted up and cast out. My days are like shadows that have been lengthened or stretched out. And I am like like grass. I am withering. So he's saying, I I can't go on much longer in this condition. I'm reaching my, my end, my breaking point. And this is how he's coming before God. With great desperation, with great sorrow, asking God to move in his behalf. Next verse, he says, but you, O Lord, forever you will dwell. Now, what is he saying here? He's speaking about his faith in God, that God is eternal. God being eternal, one of the things that that should bring into our mind, that God endures forever. Because God endures forever, he is sovereign. And therefore, God is able to respond. So when he says, God, you endure forever. Look again at this text. And you, O Lord, forever you dwell. And then he says, and your memory is from generation to generation. Now that word memory is a word for for to remember. And I've shared with you, this Hebrew word is almost always used within the context of a covenantal promise, a covenantal relationship. And because of this covenant, we should have expectation. God makes promises in his covenant to his people. And what he's saying is this. Look at this whole verse again. He, he is not doubting God, but he is claiming a covenantal responsibility from God to act in his behalf. He says, you, O Lord, you endure for forever, meaning you, you dwell forever, and your memory is from generation to generation. God, that word memory has to do with a covenant. It's a covenantal word. God remembers his covenant, so he acts And this is what this one is expecting. Look now to the next verse. He says, you, you will rise up and you will be merciful in regard to Sion. And Sion is this kingdom word. Now, why is that important? Because even in this life, if God does nothing, we are going to experience the mercy of God one aspect of mercy is, is God restoration. It is because of God being a merciful God, he will bring about restoration to his people. Now, this word for mercy is related to the Hebrew word for a woman's womb. A woman's womb Is related to life and what he's saying is this God you are merciful and you are going to restore life no matter what happens to me in this world in this body God I'm holding on to a covenantal promise of that kingdom that new covenant that we enter into through Messiah it is a kingdom covenant and therefore we no matter what happens in this world we know that our future is bright. Our future is eternal our future is is not going to reflect the ways of this world. But the kingdom is new, it's different and we should have encouragement from that. So he says, "You will rise up and you will be merciful." And the implication is for Zion, for the kingdom. For at the time of favor. Now, this is the word chen, and the word chen oftentimes can be related to grace, but it's a grace that produces favor. And what is the author saying? He's saying, God, through your covenant, I have faith. I know that there's a time coming when you are going to show me favor. If not in this world and not in this body, I know that in the kingdom. I will be a recipient of your favor for the time of of favor for for will come it's moed it's appointed time so god you have an appointed time for me for delivering me and 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 blessing me and and causing me to inherit your promises in the full sense that's a kingdom experience does God give foretastes of that in this world? Yes, he does. He does so often. But ultimately, that absolute deliverance, this overcoming, this, this being a recipient of the promises of God, it is a kingdom reality. Again, foretaste, some experience of that here, that deliverance, that help. But in its full sense, it's a kingdom reality experience let's look at one more verse and then we'll conclude where he says for your servants they delight in its stones now we talked about sion sion is a kingdom word it's speaking about jerusalem being redeemed and jerusalem being redeemed is a kingdom reality and what he's saying is in the same way that that jerusalem was destroyed but that's not the end of jerusalem jerusalem is going to be rebuilt in fact we see in the scripture it talks about jerusalem and it mentioned that jerusalem is built up and the implication is built up again built up into the kingdom and this is what he's emphasizing here look again for your servants they delight in its stones and it's talking here about its stones being tossed down and such and also look at the next part of the verse and its dust the dust of zion Uh, it says they favor they have a concern and delight for it now this is the difference He's saying that even in the midst of Jerusalem's destruction, and we know Jerusalem was destroyed. It was destroyed by the Babylonians and also destroyed by the Romans. But those stones that are tore down, we delight in those stone, stones. And we show favor, meaning we delight in that, that dust of, of this city. And here it's depicting the ruins. Why? Well, we don't look at it and think, that's it. It's over and done away with. No, we have a totally different mindset. We believe that God is going to restore Jerusalem. And those stones will be gathered up. That dust will be cleaned up. Things will come back together in a better condition. A condition that reflects the righteousness of God and the glory of God. So what's the takeaway in this psalm? Very simple. This one is full of desperation. He is discouraged. He is overwhelmed by his circumstances. But what he says is this. Just like Jerusalem was laid bare, destroyed, Not one stone left in its place that was not cast down. Jerusalem in ruins. But nevertheless, God, you're faithful. You will rebuild it. Jerusalem has a kingdom future and he's saying, so too, God, will you build back my life. You restore me and being restored to what? Being restored to the promises of God, the blessings of God. And ultimately, if we don't receive them in the fullness here, and we won't, we will receive them in the fullness of the kingdom. Yes, we have that foretaste, that joy, that victory from time to time in this world, but all of that is simply an encouragement to persevere to that which is greater, that which reflects the fullness of God's word. He is faithful. I can lose my life, I can lose everything in this world, so what? My hope is not based upon the physical, my hope is based upon the spiritual. Those promises that God makes in that covenant, that new covenant, which assures me, if I enter into it by faith through the blood of Messiah, that I'm going to have a wonderful kingdom future that will be forever and ever and ever and it's that faith and that hope that is going to cause us in desperate times to persevere and put the mindset in the right location not upon this world and poor me and what i'm going through but rather god you're good it's just a matter of time that i'm going to be restored back to all of your promises and in the meantime i will praise you I will glorify your name, I will worship you, I will serve you, I will do your will and keep your commandments in order that I'm found faithful. When that day comes, that day of restoration, that day that you shower shower me with your favor. Believe it, that day is coming. It may be a difficult journey to get there, but that day most certainly will come for every follower of Messiah Yeshua. Good news from the book of Psalms. Well, I'll close with that. Shalom from Israel.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website loveisrael.org